what is the young lady called here tonight? Alex. Alexa, okay. Well, Alexa, um, though I'm talking to grown-ups tonight, they, it so happens that there will be some things in my talk tonight about running a race that I think you'll understand, okay? Especially the pictures on the screen. Uh, some of it you may not understand, but I think some of it you will understand because of what happens at school sometime, okay? Um, we're starting a new series tonight called Race to Glory, and I've been asked to open up with Hebrews chapter 3, which talks about the Israelites. Uh, the Israelites were in slavery in Egypt, and you'll remember Moses, God appeared to Moses in the burning bush and said, I want you to set my people free. He goes to uh, Pharaoh, and Pharaoh says, uh, I'm sorry, they can't go. There was all the plagues and everything, and then eventually he, he, he thought, it's causing me too much trouble looking after these Israelites. Go. And it, it is actually a geora geographical fact that the children of Israel could have got from Egypt to the promised land of Cana in less than a year. But how long did it take them? 40 years. Because they kept going round and round in circles. In other words, they didn't finish the race in the way that God intended. And the verse as it concerns us today in that passage in Hebrews is verse 12, which says, See to it that none of you, modern-day people of God, that none of you have a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But in keeping with this winning the race theme, uh, I want to point out some of the verses in the Bible that talk, that use this analogy of running a race. Um, Later on in the book of Hebrews, uh, there's a very well-known passage that talks about a race. But here are some of the other verses. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul says, In a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize. And then in Galatians chapter 5, again Paul says, You, he's talking to Christians, you were running a race, so... So well, who has held you back from following the truth? And then later on in Hebrews, a verse that is well known to all of us, we read, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. And as I say, the Israelites that are mentioned in Hebrews chapter 3, an earlier part of Hebrews, failed to follow the course that God had set for them. And here is the Lord saying, see to it that you don't do the same thing. Now, according to um, historical records, uh, the first Olympic Games were actually held um, 776 years before Christ. And they were held on the Olympic plains, hence the name Olympic Games. 
And they actually continued for about 12 centuries until uh, a Roman emperor by the name of Theodosius, he declared uh, in A.D. 393 when the Roman Empire was becoming more Christian he declared that it was it was sinful it was pagan to celebrate the Olympic Games because he said they were held in in honor of the false god Zeus so he banned them now in this respect the analogy between the original Olympic Games and the Christian life today, we're in a game, we're in a race, actually falls down. Um, It falls down because it's linked with a pagan festival, and we, of course, are Christians, but it falls down in other ways because the athletes were all male, and in the church we have male and female. And if I might say, Alison, it was lovely to see you as a lady um, doing the communion tonight. This uh, nonsense about only certain people can do communion or only males can do communion, I I don't wash that. It's not biblical. Um, We may have different roles in life, uh, but we're equal in the sight of God. There's no male nor female. But um, married women were not allowed to take part in the Olympic Games. And uh, only unmarried ladies were able to come and observe the Olympic Games. But all the athletes were male. Now mark this, ladies, not only were they all male, but they actually ran in the nude. They were naked. The word gymnos from which we get uh, gym, actually means naked. But the Olympic Games did have another and more specific reference to the Christian life. Let me explain why. Um, they, They aimed to show the discipline of the runners. They had to be disciplined if they were going to win a race. And of course, in the Christian life, there are certain disciplines we have got to build into our life. And furthermore, the Olympic Games um, were intended to create good relationships between the various cities of Greece where the Olympic Games were first held. And again, that has a reference to the Christian life because we've got to have good relationships with one another, haven't we? Um, It's not a, a case of saying to people, I'm going to say this, Alison, to you in love because we always know there's a but coming Uh, we don't want bad relationships in church do we we want good relationships Um, but like all illustrations of the christian life uh, running a race um, we've got to be very careful that we don't press that analogy too far drawing conclusions that aren't actually supported by the rest of scripture In any normal race, uh, there are those who get to the end of the race. In other words, they cross the tape. And there are others, sadly, who never make it. Um, To put it bluntly, they run out of puff. Now, um, I have a colleague in the ministry who, um, at the age of 65, decided to apply 
to do the marathon. And much to um, his amazement, he was chosen to do the marathon. And all the church uh, were, were pulling his leg about this. And he had to go in for serious training. But if you've not gone in for serious training, let alone run the marathon, which is uh, 26.2 miles, you wouldn't even run a half marathon. And I, 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 I don't think I will, and I'll give an illustration of that later. Um, but that's not how we should view the Christian life. Some people get to the end of the marathon, other people do not get to the end of the marathon. My belief, you may disagree with me, is that if God has put us on the racetrack, then God will get us to the end of the race, all of us. Um, another verse in Hebrews talks about Jesus being the author and the finisher of our faith. Probably one of my most favorite verses in the entire Bible is Philippians 1 and verse 6, where Paul says, we can be confident of this, he who began a good work in us will carry it on to completion. So if God put us on the Christian track, God will keep us on the Christian track. That doesn't mean we mustn't run with determination. That doesn't mean we mustn't run with purpose. But in the last analysis, what God is doing in our life is what really matters. He put us on the racetrack and he'll keep us on the racetrack. And this is what I believe the scriptures consistently teach. And we'll be coming to the bit in a moment that you'll maybe understand a bit more. So here we are on the Christian racetrack. From time to time, like those Israelites in Hebrews chapter 3, things hinder us from making the progress that we should. To quote again that verse in Galatians, uh, you were running the race so well, who or what has held you up from following the truth? So what are the things that hinder us in running the Christian race? And I'm going to put this as simply as possible now, so that hopefully even the young lady will understand part of it. First of all, some runners have doubts. Some runners have doubts. Uh, do you have school sports day at school? Yeah. Well, I bet you anything, some boys and girls uh, are not very confident, especially when they're very tiny, uh, that uh, they're going to win the race. Despite mum and dad saying, go on, Billy, go on, Jane, go on, you can do it. And they kind of stand there. And they've got doubts in their mind about their ability. Now, there are those who start the Christian life just like that. They've got doubts. They say, I'll never make it, but perhaps because in the first place they were never ever taught that rather than us keeping in, in the Christian life, it is God that keeps us. I tell you quite frankly that if my Christian life depended solely on my best efforts to live the Christian life, 
than I would have given up long ago. The plain fact of the matter is we can't make it on our own. Our sin gets in the way. But in those moments of our greatest failure and our greatest frustration, the Lord comes and picks us up. Like, like maybe your friends at school. There they are wanting to go in the race and maybe mummy and daddy cheats a bit and they pick you up and carry you along the race. Now, the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit in the Greek means paraclete. It means one called alongside to help us. It's as if a man is carrying a great heavy load and he can't carry it any further and someone comes along like Simon did when Jesus was carrying his cross and someone helps us with the heavy load. I'm glad that despite my doubts in the Christian life, in running that race, there are moments when the Holy Spirit comes to me and the Holy Spirit deals with my doubts and the Holy Spirit helps me to keep on running. When Peter walked on the Sea of Galilee, the waves were just as big and the wind was just as strong when he sank than when he was walking on the water. But the moment he began came preoccupied with the waves and felt the wind on his face. He took his eyes off Jesus and that's when he began to sink. So when we face doubts, I can't keep it up. Then yes, we're quite right, we can't keep it up. But thank God, Jesus can keep us up. Let's start believing that with all our heart. However difficult it is being a Christian that, and how many doubts we may have that God will help us through. Now, in the race of life, not only do some people have doubts, but some runners progress too quickly. Now, I can... My wife will laugh at this, but it, this is exactly what happened. I can well remember, for years, when I was a young pastor, Chris and I were, were padres at a youth camp. We don't like camping. I hate camping. And they took pity on us in the end and gave us a caravan. But for year after year after year, we would go to the Isle of Wight, but mainly to Devon. Do you remember? Um, and we went one year to Devon to a youth camp. And they had a sports day. And they decided that they were going to have a mile run. And all the young people were egging me on and they came, come on, Pastor Trevor, come on, come on, you, you can run the mile. And uh, I thought, well, okay, I'll, I'll give it a go. So without any training at all, uh, I, got, I you know, got all the gear on and I thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give this my best shot. And after the first lap, I was ahead of everybody. And I thought to myself, I'm, I'm much fitter than I thought. And after the second lap, I was still ahead of everybody. And then after the third lap, all the colour drained from my face. And I almost collapsed. But to make matters worse, everybody, including my wife, thought I was faking it. 
And they said, come on, come on, come on. And the, the, the camp nurse, who was quite pretty, by the way, had to revive me. I was dead meat. What was my problem? I had progressed too quickly. Now, that's precisely what we can do in the Christian race. Jesus spoke of those in the parable of the sower who were like that. The seed of God's word springs up quickly, but only for a little while because it's no roots in which to embed itself. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 talks in the King James Version about running with patience the Christian life. You see, if we run our Christian life at the rate that God never intended, like I ran that mile at a rate I should never have done for my age, I was 40 at the time, and I wasn't fit, impatiently wanting to get ahead of everyone else, uh, then uh, wearing my pastors, I've seen it in churches so often, uh, people are like a big, big bubble. You know, they rise quickly. They want to do this for God, not for God. And they're, they're as keen as mustard, and then they suddenly burst. The fact of the matter is there are no shortcuts to Christian maturity. Just as a runner has to be physically fit to complete successfully, we need preparation in our Christian life if we're to spiritually run as God intended. Above all else, the roots of our faith have got to be firmly set in Scripture. Without doubt, there, there may appear to be growth in our life, but if we haven't got our roots in Jesus, we will progress too quickly and there will be problems. So, uh, some runners have doubts. Some runners progress too quickly. And to put it bluntly, some runners are too weighed down. Now, um, my wife works as a volunteer every Monday at the hospital. And what do they call it? The bariatric ward. This is where, for fat, I'm not looking at anybody, honestly. For, for, for obese people, they put bands around them, and, you know, so they can only eat a certain amount. And obesity has become a major problem in this country. Um, now, spiritually speaking, we can carry too much weight, too. Uh, you see, certainly see this in um, amateur races, perhaps where, um, I don't know whether at your school sports day, mummy and daddy sometimes come along. Well, they do. They do. All right. Well, at some sports days, um, just for a bit of fun, instead of asking the boys and girls to run, they say, oh, come on, Mum, come on, Dad. And it seems to me, not your daddy, I don't mean your daddy when I say this, but it seems to me that some, some daddies and some mummies are so fat that let alone run the race, they can't even get down at the starting block. In the first place, they're, they're just too weighed down. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 talks about laying aside every weight, throwing off everything that hinders. Um, when I was a young man, I was given a tandem bike. 
and it was a Claude Butler bike. It was the bee's knees of the day. And to make it as light as possible, I took the mudguards off. Uh, I took everything off I could that weighed any weight. And, you know, you could almost pick it up, but it would be heavy by today's standards. These, what is, it, is it graphite bikes or something? Really light bikes. The trouble is when you take mud guards off a bike to make it less heavy, you get sprayed with mud on a, wet, on, on a muddy day, which I did. But that's what they do. They have these fancy... Have you seen these fancy helmets they have? Streamlined, aerodynamic helmets to make them zoom. They're laying aside every weight. Now, the Christian runner has got to lay aside every weight too, and especially says those, that verse in Hebrews, the sin that easily tangles. Now, what does that mean? Well, I take it to mean the sin which is a particular problem to us. There is no doubt about it, the devil knows which temptations we are particularly vulnerable to. Um, it will be different for you than it is for me. Those weaknesses, I believe, the devil plays on in our life. And those are the things that we've got to give particular attention to. Ephesians chapter 4, 27 says, do not give the devil a foothold. So lay aside that weight. So some runners have doubts, some runners progress too quickly. Some runners are too weighed down. And uh, fourthly, some runners are too confident, uh, which certainly applied to me in that mile race at that youth camp I spoke about. And this can apply equally to both amateur and professional racing. This is the competitor who, without any regard for the difficulties about keeping up the pace, is sure that he or she will be leading the pack. So, throwing caution to the wind, they casually proceed forward. Overconfidence, at one point in his life, was the Apostle Peter's trouble. Even if all fall away on account of you, Jesus, I never will. Not me. But Jesus had to say to overconfident Peter, I tell you the truth, this very night, before the cock crows, you will disown me three times. So let none of us have any illusions about our own ability to stay true to Jesus. The Holy Spirit, the Bible speaks of the human heart as being deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. And the capacity to sin, the capacity to fail the Lord, is within the range of every one of us, no matter how much we say we may love him. We're never, I believe, we're never more vulnerable than when we say, oh, I would never do that. I was reading, I don't know whether any of you read Bible in a Year by uh, Nicky Gumbel. You can get it as an app. And he was telling the story this morning about Jim Backer, the tele-evangelist. The man who thought that God was blessing him because this was happening and that was happening. And he was famous. And like those runners, overconfidence and pride got into his life. And then he started cucking the bucks and he ended up in prison. 
And the story is, when he's at his lowest, when he's dismayed, he feels filthy, he feels wretched, he almost feels like committing suicide. There's a knock on the door of his cell, and the prison officer said, someone's come to see you. He's very, very famous. Billy Graham has come to see you. And Jim Backer says in his book, I never thought it would happen to me. He said, here is Billy Graham, a man who's spoken to millions, a man who is spoken of as being one of the most influential Christian statesmen in the whole world, has come to see poor me. And Billy Graham, a mark of the man he is, comes into his cell, throws his arms round him, and says, God can forgive you. God can restore you. Isn't that a lovely story? Jim Backer was overconfident. Jim Backer said, it would never happen to me. Jim Backer allowed pride to get into his life. And the Bible says, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And if you think you are standing, be careful that you don't fall. Fifthly, some runners fall at obstacles. Do you have an obstacle race at school? Uh, you, you, what do you have to do? Crawl under something and get something out of a bowl of flour or something like that. Do you have to run with a sack on your feet? You have to do all sorts of things in an obstacle race, don't you? Right. There are some obstacles in our Christian life. And I'm going to mention some of them that may surprise you a bit. Surprisingly, other Christians can be an obstacle to us. You say, other Christians? Surely not. Yes, they can be. To those Galatians who uh, had just become Christians, they were non-Jews. The Jews came along and they said, oh, in order to be a good Christian, you've got to get circumcised. And they were going under rules and regulations again. And that's why Paul said, you were running so well. Who's hindered you? And it was other people who were hindering them. And I find that, um, you, especially when you go to some countries, I went once to do some Christian teaching in Russia, and I went to a very, very narrow church. And uh, they were so narrow that anything that you did, if you hardly moved, it was worldly. And they had rules for this, regulations for that, and it just bound you up in the Christian life. And there are people today who try to impose rules and regulations on us, and in doing so, they destroy our freedom in Christ to apply Christian and spiritual principles to our life, by which we see what is right and wrong. And that's the only way I believe we can become mature in Christ, is by facing the obstacles ourselves and with the help of the Lord working through them. Another obstacle I'm going to suggest is, is materialism. Um, now, obviously, it's not right to own, it's not wrong to own possessions, 
And God is not expecting us all to live a very frugal type of life. Uh, uh, but what is important is our priorities. What is our first love? Is it what we own? Is it what we possess? Or is Jesus number one in our life? So materialism can be an obstacle. Another obstacle for some Christians is um, what I'm going to call opposition. They find, some Christians I've met find it very, very difficult to handle this. So increasingly in a godless world, they opt out and they become secret disciples. I once met when I was street pastor in a young person who said, I used to follow Jesus. You know, I used to be keen, but, you know, the pressure of what everyone else does, I couldn't handle it. Opposition. And one more obstacle I'm going to mention is, um, and this applies particularly, I think, to young people, is friendship. Peer pressure will make them conform to the standards of others. Being the odd man or the odd girl out is not easy. Uh, and they want to keep the company of those their own age. So unless they cultivate, I don't mean exclusively, but unless they cultivate Christian friendships, especially in boy and girl relationships, then uh, their progress spiritually can be held back. Obstacles in the Christian life are everywhere. And like, you know, the, the young lady here, uh, she might get under the sack, she might find it in the, in, in the flower, the apple, and she may be able to get through the race with all the obstacles. Sometimes we can't get through obstacles in our life. We need, again, the help of the Holy Spirit. I came across a verse in the Psalms that says, with your help, I can advance through a barricade. With my God, I can scale over a wall. Isn't that lovely? Every obstacle that comes our way, with God's help, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Right, here's the next one. Some runners look at others. Peter Snell was a New Zealand athlete and a Christian. And he once, it's been beaten since, it blows me away because I, get, I run out of puff now after 100 yards. But he ran a mile in three minutes... 54.1 seconds. Um, and you're in the sporting world. I never understand how they can measure 1.1 of a second. But somehow they managed to do that. And he ran the mile in three minutes, 54.1 seconds. And at one time he was the fastest miler in the world. And speaking on a religious broadcast in New Zealand... He talked about another race that he'd won, the 800-metre race in Rome. And someone said to him, well, Peter, how did you win that race? Was it just training? No, he said, when I was nearing the tape, there was another runner in front of me. Uh, but that other runner made a fatal mistake. He looked to the right to see if there was anyone behind him. And in looking to the right, he slowed up a bit, and I passed him on the left. And then, because it was a Christian broadcast, he said, the lesson from that is we've got to constantly keep our eyes on Jesus. We've got to look ahead. Others will fail and disappoint us. Other Christians might fail and disappoint us. 
They could well hold us back, but we've got to keep our eyes on the Lord. Not looking at others, looking at Jesus. Now, there's just two more. Some runners have no real goals. Um, uh, I'm sure this is not true of you and your pals at school. But I once, when I was the pastor of a church in Wales, someone over the border in Cheshire said to me, I I'd like you to come to our school sports day, our little, I forget what his name was, Johnny or something. He's running, it was an infant school, they're running in the sports day. And when I got there, I was so amused uh, that some of the boys and girls didn't even know which direction they were supposed to go in, let alone run the race. You know, they looked absolutely confused. What, what, what were we supposed to be doing? They didn't see the white tape ahead as being their goal. Now, I find that there are sometimes times in my life when I need goals. There's got to be an, ins an aspiration to glorify Jesus in every part of our life. The Bible says whether we eat or drink or whatever we do, we should do all to the glory of God. So it means to achieve those goals, we've got to work through spiritual disciplines such as regular prayer and regular Bible reading. And to say in the words of that old hymn, Take my life, Lord, and let it be consecrated, Lord, to you. And finally, some runners never even start the race. I've put a gun there because someone said that the gun that starts the Christian life is saying yes to Jesus. Um, there was a man in our church called Dennis Lucas. Sadly, he died about a year, a year ago. And he once gave me a gun, a starting gun. And a starting gun makes a big, big bang. And I used it once at a church sports day and it frightened people to death. It was such a loud bang. The gun that starts our Christian life is saying yes to Jesus. But there are people who come, Elizabeth, Alison, you prayed earlier, for people coming to faith and understanding. And we should pray all the time for people who come to our church. We must not assume that because, they're Christ because they come to church that they're Christians, that they're on the, on the track. They've got to have a revelation of who Jesus is. Now, every year, um, every two years, rather, um, I go to Guyana in South America to visit our churches there. And last year, for the first time, I was so thrilled, Chris was able to come with me. And Guyana borders a country called Suriname, which used to be Dutch Guyana, and they still speak Dutch there. And um, that is a very, very tiny country. And in one Olympic Games, that tiny country, um, was represented by only one athlete. He was going to run in the 800 meters race, but that, colors, that country's colors actually were never seen. Let me tell you why. The time of the qualifying event was changed. So that athlete was actually um, in his dormitory sleeping. 
They tried to contact him, but he didn't hear the PA or something. He'd fallen asleep. So he lost his chance and his country's only chance of completing in the games. So because people come to church, we must not assume that they're Christians. Perhaps like that Surinam athlete, they have never, ever started the race. Um, and I, I pray as a pastor that I will never, ever lose the thrill of hearing that someone has started the race. The gun has been fired. They've come to church. They've met Jesus. And they've started to run the Christian race. I've been running that race now for many, many years. I have a birthday in November, and I, my age will remain quiet at the moment. <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I'm knocking on a bit. And I came to faith at the age of 12 and a half. And whatever people say, I, I believe no matter how young you are, you can start following Jesus. How old were you, sweetheart, when you came to faith? Eight years of age. And when she was 11, God filled her with the Holy Spirit. Doesn't matter how young. Let's pray for the boys and girls in our junior church or whatever they call it today. And we may have been on the race of life for a long time. Sometimes we've had doubts. Sometimes we've progressed too quickly. At other times we've been weighed down by a failure or being too confident or fallen at some obstacle, maybe we've made the mistake of looking at others instead of looking at Jesus or having no real goals. But through it all, thank God, he's restored us. But it, it, even though we're a small congregation tonight, it's just conceivable that the Lord is saying to you, you were running the race well. Who or what has held you back? Back to Hebrews 3, with which I began. The Israelites went off track. They didn't finish their race. They failed to get to the promised land. But with God's help, with God's help, we can run the race well. And thank God we can get to the promised land, which is a picture of Christian victory in our life. The Bible says, greater is he who is in you than he who is against you. And every day, with his help, we can go through that promised land of Christian victory. Let that be our aim, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you all.